This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. On this week's episode of Circles Off, episode number 94, DeMarcus Ware, one of my favorite players of all time. We're recapping the NCAA tournament so far, including two bets that were highly talked about. Steve Fezzik loses a minus 4,500 favorite. Rob Pizzola, the pizza man, loses a minus 750 favorite. Were they good bets? Were they not good bets? We'll get into that discussion. All that and more, Circles Off starts now. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 94 here on the Hammer Betting Network. Rob Pizzola joined by Johnny from Betstamp. How's it going? What week? What a week of March Madness. Yes. In the books, the old four-day weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How was it, Rob? Well, we're we're gonna get into it. I'm gonna I'm always I'm always upfront and honest with the audience. Suffered a horrible, horrible loss in the first week of March Madness. We're going to talk about that on the show today. Uh, for those who tuned into the live episode last week where we were talking March Madness, you'll remember that I said I laid minus 750 on uh, no number one seed to lose in the first round. And I was very worried during the Houston game, but ultimately it's the final game, Purdue, that loses that bet. With that said, I've actually had a very good tournament. It's kind of like weird and mis. I hate saying stuff like that, but it's the truth. I, yeah, I, the one bet he gave out lost. Yeah, yes. Minus 750, Not, seven unit bangers. Guy's down 30, 38.5 units. But yet he had a good tournament. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, it was a big, it was a big loss. I mean, I, there, there's no doubt. Like, I'm not... I'm obviously not chasing clout or I wouldn't post like this kind of stuff. There's no, there's no uh, benefit of, of saying something like this, right? Because I've had two big bets that I've gave, given out in the last two months that have been substantial favorites that lost. And I don't care. Like, Oh yeah, the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, don't you remember? Super yeah, Bowl. Right, right. No field goal to hit the upright. Minus 590. That's, that was, in my opinion, an absurdly good bet. Better than the minus 750 on no number one seeds, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. But yeah, I mean, it's been a good tournament. I've had betting success. I've had a lot of bets. I have had a lot of volume. I, I posted a, a thread to Twitter with like all my first round plays. And those were just at the regulated books, which was like 52 over the course of the first two days. And on top of that, I had other offshore and PPH wagers. It's, it's a lot of volume going on right now. And it's been fairly good. So... Fair enough. We're going to talk about the bet. We should bring on Fezzik, our buddy, as well. So we're going to talk about both of these. Um, I will remind everyone out there, once again, Circles Off, brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book, now available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what pro bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. Not necessarily me, if you saw my Pinnacle account with the favorites. Uh, must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Not available in the U.S. So two talking points. Myself, my 750. Uh, I got skewered. Rightfully so, I would say. Maybe maybe not. I don't like get, getting skewered by people who are just like, 
oh, I would never lay that price on anything. I hate that more than anything. There's an argument to be made of whether or not you think it was a, an actually a, a positive expected value bet or not. And I think that that's fair. Like there might be somebody who says like, no, I just don't think that was a good wager. You need to have like 80, just under 88% implied in order to win this bet. And you didn't have that. Fair enough, if that's the argument. If the argument is, oh, you should never lay big favorites, then we're going to have a problem. But I got skewered. Our boy Fezzik, I say our boy because we had him on the podcast within the last month. Um, Steve Fezzik posted that he was uh, trying to decide how much he should invest in- Quote unquote, invest. Invest in Purdue minus 4,500 money line, 99% plus bet, good value. And uh, he got roasted. Eventually had to defend himself in an ESPN chalk article. Holy 585K views on the tweet. This is a lot of guys roasting him on the quotes. I can probably assume there's nothing that people on Twitter love more than someone losing a bunch of money. Would you, would you not agree no, with that? I, I, especially so. Yeah. They, especially someone that's polarizing. Let's put it that way. And yeah. Fezzik is very polarizing. Absolutely. You're hundred percent right. And so I want to walk through my process on why I bet the bet that I did. And then you can tell me whether or not you think it was a good bet or not. And we can define what we think a good bet is. Fair enough. Okay, so minus 750. I mentioned this on the stream last week. Bet stamp social media guy. Very aggressive for some of the people that don't know. Messages me out of the blue and says, Hey, Rob, just wanted you to know that a certain PPH skin, paperhead, illegal book, frankly, not for the better, but for whoever's running the book, called Buckeye, has... This bet, minus 750. And I think that's a really good bet. Like, okay. So the first thing I did was I immediately went at the time and I took the best prices that were available in market at the time and I parlayed them to see what it would have paid, which was worse than this number. Then I went to a market-making book, Circa, who was offering this prop at minus 1100 on the no, plus I think it was 840. On, on the other side, midpoint price of like somewhere in the 950 to 1000 range. All right. Then for those that don't know, I don't, I don't originate college basketball. I don't bet a lot of college basketball, but I work with people that do. And there's one person that we really respect that tends to send that sends plays, but sporadically, whether this is, I just have, you know, I don't have a greatest relationship with the person, but it's either he sends when he's looking for more liquidity, either I guess because he's lost accounts or maybe because it's bigger plays. So he sporadically sends us plays. And some of the times, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but like he'll send plays for three or four days. Then he'll disappear for like a week. I'm, I'm guessing we're not his number one partner. Let's just put it that way, right? Like he comes to us at the, at the low end of the totem pole. But he's been sending us plays, college basketball plays going on three or four years now with really high success. Uh, both sides and totals mixes it up. Anyways, one of the people that I've worked with in terms of automation in the past has worked with this guy as well on backtesting his models and, and so on and so forth. So he sends me, I ask him, can you send me a SIM of, of your bracket for this year so that I can have it? And he sends me a SIM of his bracket overall with the percentages. 
and I go and I plug in the numbers and he's substantially higher than market on the number one seeds. So he sends me 99.3% Purdue, 96.5% Houston. 99, 90, 99.3% on Purdue. On Purdue. Bezik is your guy. 96.5% Houston, 98% Kansas, 98.9% Alabama. That's a, if you multiply those, it's a probability of 92.9%. So that's, that's significantly off market. So my first response to him is like, Hey, I actually checked T rank Bart Torvik's numbers and they're, they're much different. If you multiply Bart Torvik's numbers, you get 85.1%, right? So I'm like, ah, are you sure your things are right with these one seeds or whatever? And we're just having a conversation back and forth you know, I, I don't want to reveal too. I don't want to reveal too much, but basically, he says I'm fairly confident in my numbers. I asked him if he could send me a, one of the back tests that he's had for the year, which he does. So he sends me a back test of the entire season, which is like over 10,000 games of college basketball, and his mean absolute error, so his error metrics on money lines, are better than the error metrics of the Pinnacle and Circa closing prices. Okay. This is a fairly, I know it's one season, but it's a fairly large sample. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go with it. I'm just going to ride this. So most of the bets I made this year on March Madness were one, off-market prices, or two, bets based off of someone else's model that I'm personally just choosing to put, invest my money in because I'm I'm using the investment term. Like you're tailing, you're tailing. I'm tailing, right? Like this is a person who's had success. He can prove to me, via um, a back test that his models had success. And whenever we've bet the stuff, it's had success. So I'm just going to ride it. Now, somebody might say those numbers are wrong. You're free, feel free to disagree. And that's completely fine. For me, I was confident enough to do that. The bet ultimately loses. He gave FDU a 0.7% chance of winning. They won. That's the that was the biggest of the one seeds in terms of his probability to win. It is what it is. I swallow it, I eat it, and I move on with life because that's what betting is, right? Now, I get it. We're not all robots, right? And there's people who are on the complete opposite side of this, right? Spanky made some tweets about this, which obviously I respect the opinion, but it's like... What did he tweet? I missed it. He basically said that he doesn't like... There's too much risk of ruin. Oh, sorry. In the in betting a minus seven fifty in general, he just doesn't care to do that. Yes, and he responded to to Fezzik as well about his tweet. But overall, he's basically of the opinion that I, I don't want to bet minus seven fifties because the risk of ruin is too high, and that's his prerogative. For me, I'm going to tell you this, and again, I'm not going to tweet out every single bet I ever make or every big favorite I ever make. I lose big favorites. I win big favorites on pretty much a weekly basis. I bet golfers not to win the tournament. Okay. Some people would think that that's insane. Why are you going to lay one to 20 on this guy to win, not win the tournament? Because I think that there's a probabilistic edge there. Formula one race last weekend in Saudi Arabia, I laid minus eight twenty on Fernando Alonso, not to win the race. I'm not victory lapping this or whatever. Yeah. He, 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 he had, Let's, I, w- I would put it optimistically at a 5% chance to win that race. He didn't win. I can celebrate that win. I'm a, I, I, am, I think probabilistically. 
right? And a lot of people, what will happen is the outcome happens, Purdue wins, and they're like, ah, terrible bet. For me, it's like, well, I didn't say that they were not going to win. I think there was like 1% of the time where they would win. The market thought that there was going to be like a 25 to 3% of the time where they were going to win that game. And I think it just fell into that bucket and you get unlucky. It's no different than roulette, for example, right? Roulette, you know, when, when the whole argument of, I've been talking for a long time, I'll get your opinion on this in one second, but the whole argument of never lay these big favorites, right? The casino does this all the time. Yeah, and roulette. If you get enough volume, it, it, it literally doesn't matter. If you get enough volume and the, the favorite is the edge, even if it's a minus 100,000 every time, if, if you have enough, vo- like technically think about what the better is playing on like a slot machine even. Right. It doesn't matter. They have a but chance I mean, to hit it. Progressive, I get it, it's a little different, but even on, like on a roulette wheel, sorry, that makes more sense. You're betting, they're essentially laying minus 3,600, the houses every time. Exactly. And for, and for me, it's just like, I would, let, let's say the European style table, right? You got your zero and your double zero. There's 37 I'm spots. So incorrect. It's absolutely not minus Or 38 spots, but whatever. It does minus 38, six to one. Double zero roulette. They pay 35 to one. The house edge is 5.26%. That's a known edge, right? It's different than sports betting because on the roulette table, you know, like you actually know the numbers in, in sports betting. It's not apples to apples. Because you're coming up with what you well, think. Sports betting could be fixed. That's why. Well, that's true. Some sports. Some sports. You never know, right? Um, but you know your house edge. In in sports betting, you're estimating probabilities. But ultimately, like, it's not a deterrent for me. In hindsight, I mean, I I like I like the bet. Like, I I've won money off of this person's plays for the whole tournament so far. This includes losing a minus 750. So who am I to say that, oh, he completely priced everything wrong. I've done fairly well with that pricing, but I just don't understand, like the, I, I'll, I never will understand the arbitrary cutoffs of like, oh, like never lay more than this, never lay more than that. And it's like, no, I mean, I just want to bet edges. I'll, I'll, I'll share my opinion on both these bets. All right, so here's what I'd say. And by the way, I'm not comment. I'm not commenting on the Fezic wager, right? I, I personally think you're saying you're a bet. Well, commenting on your bet specifically. Th- this is this is weird, right? Because like minus seven fifty and minus forty five hundred are very different things, right? Like an edge is an edge. Well, I get it. Principle remains the same. Like if you're yes. willing, it's like I would be willing to lay minus forty five hundred on something. I would. So would I, but I would I would almost need to know it's a certainty. At, at minus forty five hundred. I've done worse than that. Well, I so, so I've lost worse than that, by the way, minus forty five hundred. But I've also won bigger than that. Yep. Um, so here's what I'd say: Fezix, both Robs and Fezix, in my opinion, bad bets. Both, not based on the result. Obviously, that's easy to say after the fact. When Rob m- mentioned that on the podcast, I quick calculated after last last week, and um, I'll say this after. But we'll start with Fezix. Okay, so. Minus 4,500. I'll explain why this is not a good bet. Very simple. You could get a better price in market and market making books. I just opened up Betstamp. I went to I went to Friday, March 17. I clicked on Purdue versus Fairly Dick. I'm looking at it right now. There are five books that close at a better price than this. If you're gonna tell me that five books close at a better price, I'll tell you right now it's not a good, it's not a good bet. If you're gonna tell me that 
five recreational books closed at a better price, we might have a shot. If you're going to tell me that Pinnacle closed at a, what would be our, our show sponsor Pinnacle closing at minus 32.62. Fezzik laid 4,500 to win 100 times whatever multiple he bet. Yep. You could have laid 32.62 to win 100. He didn't. He got a worse number. I would have played Fairly Dickinson at plus 4,500 all day long. I would not have bet minus 4,500. And in, in reverse, what I'd say is I actually would have played the opposite of this play all day long. Based on the fact that that line was available for high limits and it didn't get hit. So it's, it's more efficient than Fezzik's number. That's a straight bet. It's very easy to determine. Rob's bet. I also wouldn't have played Rob's bet. I actually did have a bet on the opposite of Rob's, albeit at plus 1,000. So what that means is I actually had a bet for a smaller amount than Rob because I, I actually wasn't you know able to get a ton down on it. Also, but also you're betting the, the underdog in that situation is always going to be way less money. Yeah, But I would have bet more on it if I could have, but I did have a bet on plus 1,000 for a 16 seed to beat a one seed in the tournament. Ended up cashing. I had the fair price for it, where it's like around a what would have been 680 to 690. Meaning, I probably would, would have not taken, have played. You would have plus, taken plus seven. Well, you wouldn't have played it, but you would have found value on plus 750. I would rather have taken plus 750 than minus 750. However, I would not have taken plus 750 if that was offered to me. Meaning, if Rob and I were messaging in a chat and he's like, hey, I want to bet this at minus 750. You want to go on the other side, handshake, gentleman bet. I would have said, ah, no good. I, I'm okay. Yeah. I'll pass. It was more advantageous for me to play that into a book anyways. Definitely. But what I mean, you. yeah, what for I obvious mean, reasons. for obvious reasons. They but think <laughs> some some of these people that are collecting this week think that this like, guy's a loser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's get, let's add more credit to this no, account, po- please. Po- point of the story being, I, I wouldn't have played the same price as Rob. I also wouldn't have played against his number. So, um, you know, I'm not saying Rob's was a bad bet. It's just something I wouldn't have played. Uh, Fezix, I do think in this scenario was a bad bet. Not no slight against him, but I think it's very obvious given that Pinnacle closed at again minus thirty two sixty two that you shouldn't be laying minus forty five hundred, and you should probably look to taking plus forty five hundred on uh, FDU. With Robs, I think one thing that people forget is you're still betting a, a parlay in that scenario. So right. what Rob what Rob's bet was was like parlay of Alabama, Kansas. Purdue and Houston, Houston, for four number one seeds. So this prop is probably not the most accurate indicator of what that market should be. The most accurate indicator is actually probably the money line odds or potentially even the spread odds because they're taking higher limits. So if you were able to take the average spread odds, convert that to a money line probability, reference that with the money line, and then find a way to parlay all four at a fair price, if you stripped out the juice and parlayed those, you're probably honestly getting like minus 500. If without the juice, obviously with the juice yeah. in, you're getting around what Rob got. So you could have achieved that same price by parlaying all four of the favorites. And um, if you were to go shop around book to book and mix and match sports books, not just taking just the pinnacle price, you would have been able to achieve a slightly better number than that and for those asking like well you can't parlay across books doesn't make sense in this scenario you can yeah because the games are all independent events so let's say rob wanted to bet there's no there's no overlap on them either in terms of start times they may have honestly overlapped but for simplicity i'm pretty sure they didn't okay for simplicity let's say they didn't but essentially what you'd have to do is let's say you wanted to bet a hundred dollars total on this what you do is you bet a hundred on the first game 
you lay the money line price. It's going to pay back like five bucks. Then you bet 105 on the next game. Win that, you bet 110, win that, 120, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So you can, in theory, do that. If you're betting higher stakes, you can't because obviously then the last bet, you'd have to figure out a way to get down a lot more money, which might not be feasible uh, on the money line odds of a, a good price. So all in, what I would say is that if you're $100 better, could have achieved a better price than this. If you're a $10,000 better, you could not have achieved a better price than this. Does yeah. sense? For what it's worth, I mean, e- even using the pinnacle closing lines, it's pretty much right on the exact price that I played it. Um, I mean, this is where we we probably... That would just be, a ne- that would just be an even expected value bet. Versus of course. pinnacle. Rob's going off numbers, which he believes are sharper. Exactly. So that's what I was going to get at. It, it's your fundamental principle. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't originate college basketball, right? I originate NHL. I originate NFL. I originate some smaller market stuff as well. And that's where I'm making my own numbers. I'm testing my own numbers. I have the utmost of confidence in my own numbers. If somebody plays back at me on one of those numbers, so meaning if I went and I placed a bet on a random NHL game, Buffalo Sabres, whatever, and someone plays back at me, line moves back to where it was before, usually what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find out if there's any unknown info on that game that I have not captured, which is rare. But if there's not, I will just bet the same side again. Fair enough. I do that because I'm very confident in my own numbers. Well, in theory, then you're shaping the market. Yes. And then as I've mentioned multiple podcasts before, you're either going to win a lot of money or lose a lot of money. Thus will indicate how much you're willing to shape the market in the future. Exactly. Thus closing in value, always efficient. Right. Now that's the NHL, the sport I'm the most confident in. Right. And I see the public numbers that are available from other models that are out there and people who are betting these models for real money. And it's like, no, I know this is why they're getting this number and this is what they're doing wrong. College basketball, I'm flying blind. So as I mentioned last week, I just, I want to sweat on college basketball. I want to sweat on March Madness, right? And But I want to do it in a way where I think I actually have good bets. So for me, the easiest way to do that in the early going was, okay, on the first night, Selection Sunday, all the recreational books are open. Let's wait for Pinnacle and Circa and Chris to open, see what their numbers are, and I'll just pick off all these other quote-unquote bad prices at other books. That went fairly well for me. I would the say, other one went fairly dick for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Zach. Yes. Fairly dick. <laughs> oh, wow, the laugh what? track. Laugh track. That Let's, was, I, did, you, did, did, did that just come to you on the spot? Yeah. Oh, man. Why? That, it actually couldn't have worked out any better. Uh, hey, listen, I might get in the stand-up one day. It couldn't have worked out any better. <laughs> uh, anyways. We do a lot of educational content. I think one mistake, I mean, Fezzik got got roasted way more than I did purely because of this tweet, right? Which is essentially advocating for other people to go and place that bet. Yeah, that sucks, honestly. Rob Rob tweeted his like midway through when Houston was like tied. And I feel like he just was like, by the way, I'm on this and I'm not feeling good about it. But yeah, and this this was at 11 p.m. Oh, yeah, whenever, you you tweeted this at 11 p.m. When's the 16th for uh, Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday, yeah. Thursday night. It was, this was I, I listen again. I don't you know were like much a about, bandit going into Friday. You just needed a Purdue money line win. I saw some guy on Houston like limping to the bench. It was a close game. I'm messaging around. I'm like, who's this guy? They're like, oh, he's Houston's best player. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. Like I made the mistake. The biggest mistake I made, in my opinion, was not the bet. 
it was tweeting about the bet. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like never, tw- there. in hindsight, there is absolutely no upside to this. Look at Fezzik's tweet. He had a zero, he says this, 99% plus bet. Yeah. He had a 99% plus chance of z- of not winning on this tweet. I'll tell you why. If he wins this bet, yes. nobody, literally nobody gives a fuck. They're like, oh, congrats. You're minus 4,500 won. If he loses his bet, 585K impressions, 212 quote tweets of guys absolutely ripping him. So pretty much, he wasn't a lose-lose. There's no, how is he going to win this? If, if he won this bet, it would be glanced over. This tweet would have barely any engagement and it would be whatever. Yeah, I, 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 the, again, my biggest regret is not the bet. I overcame that bet already. Like I'll be... I'm 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 pretty transparent guy. Like when I'm going through a rough patch or I'm having a bad month, like I'll let people know that was a shitty bet to lose. I sat there for a bit. And I'm like, damn, that sucks. Like I just gave away I, an entire day's worth of profit that I worked to get that day's worth of profit. You can't make that back on that day. Whatever, you move on. It is what it is. The mistake was the tweet. And like I said, like I rare, I I, I make bets like this all the time. I literally make a may bet on a big favorite weekly. Okay. Max I don't tweet Homa, it. No tournament winner. Yeah. Not, Max Homa. No, He's but winning. I, I know like I have bet golfers regularly to not win tournaments period. I mentioned like people tweet DM me all the time around F1 races, the hour leading up to the race. What did you bet on? What do you like this and that? And I'm like gun shy to tell them like, I think the best bet on the board is, is the field versus Fernando Alonso. Lance Stroll, no podium. I actually bet Lance Stroll against Fernando Alonso as well. He retired early in the race. But I caught a I caught a big bomb banger, a Logan Sargent plus 333 against Alex Albon. Nice. <laughs> His teammate who retired early in the race. But anyways, this is not about it's I will make a I I'm I think probabilistically. And for people who are like Oh, sports betting's not a math problem. It 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 isn't like, but it is. That's not to say that watching the games can't help you or handicapping the game in some way where you're using your eyes to kind of determine like those can there's lots of ways to peel the potato. We say it all the time, right? There's lots of ways to do it, but inherently it is somewhat of a math problem, right? It's it's assigning a probability to an outcome. And comparing that with what the market is offering you. That's essentially the name of the game. If, if minus 4,500 Purdue, would, it would have been a good bet if that was the best number available in the market and the closing price was minus 6,000, I would have said, yeah, you know what? Tough loss. Loss is bet, but he made a good bet. The reason is not, has zero to do with the fact that it's actually a minus 4,500. Agreed. So a lot of the people coming after me were just, you know, the arbitrary and uh, arbitrary numbers people, right? Like never lay over this price. I'd never lay over minus 200. And then you know what you do? You do a quick Twitter search of their username and Mayweather. And you find that like three quarters of these people all bet Mayweather at higher prices. And this is like results-based analysis, right? Mayweather is a great bet because he won and everybody won their bet. But if you lose a big wager then it's not. It's, it's, it's results-based analysis at its finest. Now, again, I have no problem if someone comes at me and says, you did not calculate this correctly. I don't think that the numbers you're using are correct. 
I would never have assigned a probability of, you know, 92 plus percent on this happening. I think it was closer to 85. And for that, like, that's a logical reason not to make the bet. There's also the reason, the spanky reason, right? Like we are human beings. We're not robots. Some of us are robots or can be more robotic than others, right? But for somebody losing a minus 750 favorite might send them off like and put them in a mental capacity where they can they they just like they can't function as a human anymore like they're so defeated from betting that they're now gun shy like they don't want to pull the trigger on other games and like if that's going to be the case then yeah there's good reason for you not to make those types of bets but that doesn't mean they don't come along regularly and are often very good wagers. Yeah. Also, I see there was people like parading around wagers that had fairly Dickinson money line. And then you look at the price. It's like they post a screenshot from FanDuel plus 1200. Like that's, that's such a bad bet that I know you won it, but to get only plus 1200, like that's such a recreational style wager. And then like I would, I would rather laid minus forty five hundred. I'd rather laid minus fifty five hundred than taking a plus twelve hundred on, uh, on Fairleigh Dickinson. So like, but but that there is there is the mentality. I, I think I think me and you are the same in this. I mean, I'm pretty sh- confident that we are. But good bets lose all the time, and bad bets win all the time. That happens regularly on a daily basis. There's going to be tons of bad bets that win. For every good bet that loses, there's 100 bad bets that won. That's what I'm saying. So, like, for me, it just comes down to I personally try to make good bets. More, more often than not, I try to beat the closing line unless I feel as though I am working off something that is more predictive than the closing line. You're fair enough on that. You want a uh, One good other- plug for bet stamp here, Johnny? Go for it. On Friday, I was doing something, and so I was just watching Bet Stamp. I was monitoring the lines all day, just Is like it, sitting in you're a chair. getting a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see it. Is that your first tattoo? No. From here, from my vantage point, I could not see him show the tattoo, and I thought he was making a masturbation gesture. <laughs> <laughs> he just lifted his arm up like this, and this is all I could see. That he was Which doing very, I was like, what the hell is going on here? What is this show? No, so I was just like on, I had my laptop. I was just watching March Madness all day and was like scrolling through BetSamp. And uh, all of a sudden I see the board start lighting up on Fairly Dickinson moving down. Yeah. And it was just shooting down from, it was at like 2200 was like best price in market. And all of a sudden it was dropping rapidly. And so I went and grabbed quickly on one of the books, 2100. I'm looking at here. Yep. Plus 2100. And the book I bet it at closed plus 1500. And uh, like obviously it ends up winning and just had a small bet on it. But it was like I was just watched BetSamp and BetSamp moved across. And so, I just watched So you it bet down. it as a good bet at 2100. Now imagine yeah. taking Fezzik's 4500, betting at plus 4500. How good of a bet that would be? Yes. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, one more thing. I think I wanted to bring up, but uh, drawing a blank now, actually. I had one more good thing. Oh, it was this. It's a funny one. Obviously, we all saw Gonzaga TCU. Yes. That incredible last second, incredible slash devastating, depending which side you're on. Personally, I had absolutely no side in this. Same with me. And the thing didn't impact me, but boy. <laughs> I had the plus four and a half. You had the plus oh, four and a half. Yeah. Good, good win. I wanted to say... 
it's tough. I saw Brad Powers tweet that it was his worst gambling day of his entire life. But really, what I wanted to bring up was an absolute legend of the game. Someone I hope we can have on the podcast one day. That game unofficially put him into retirement. Alan Boston <laughs> tweeted, it's over. He's done. He's not betting anymore. He's got to find something new. TC, that guy on TCU with that flick bucket full court <laughs> roll put a gambling legend into retirement. The whole, it's, it's not just the bucket though. Like, I, again, no side for me in Gonzaga TCU. Watch the end of the game live. And I, I'm, I'm very in tune with what the point spreads are, why people are watching the game. But, like, the fouling with, the, with that amount of time left on the clock ridiculous. is ridiculous in the first place, for one. But there's also no way he got that shot off in <laughs> 0.7 seconds. Like no, he did, he actually did. There's no he it, got it off. Think about how quick 0.7 seconds is to pick up the ball from that low because he the ball was just bouncing. He let it dribble like to that low to get it up high yeah, to release. Right, actually, it wasn't it's like impossible. They, point they four is like shoot. the tip. You, you, they say you can do catch and shoot with point three. Point four the is the Derek Fisher back in the day, which was you know one of the one of my greatest gambling <laughs> yeah, wins yeah. of all time. As I'm just chasing all my losses, Derek Fisher turnaround jumper, but. They're, like, it's it's it, that's one of the most absurd things. Just like insane. I feel for people. You know, you mentioned this when I, I can't remember which bad beat it was, but like for every bad beat, there's someone who's exactly. on the other side of that. The shot, the shot that Vison posted from their studio in the Circa in Las Vegas, is perfect. Half good, half crying. just. Guys with their heads in their hands, people jumping up, like the reaction. I, I, I love sports betting. That that was like what you live for in sports betting to get that win. But that's the thing, like it really is that. Whenever you get a really bad beat, I said this a couple of weeks ago with the NHL All Star Game, referencing Kanish lost one of the worst beats of all time, and I was on the other side. I got a lucky win. For every lucky win that you have, remember when you're celebrating that lucky win. Remember. Someone else was literally on the other side of that and lost probably way more money than me on that bet. And then vice versa. Think about it. When you're losing money on a really bad beat, think of it. Someone was on the other end. Eventually, it's going to be me. Don't get too high off the wins and then don't get too low off the losses. Do you remember? I don't know if we've talked about our worst betting losses of all time. I've mentioned a few, but yes, some of them do stick in my head a lot. It's honestly so frustrating. They're all player props, though. Oh, so here's our prop. No, I'll tell you. They're props because... I'm so numb to what could happen on a prop that a game is never going to affect me. Like that would never even be close to my worst loss right. because that's still a regular game. I agree. I, I mean, for me, it's circumstantial, right? Because the my worst loss is not the biggest monetary amount, but it's it's like what got me into the darkest place as a better. Like when I was a casual better, rec, early 20s, terrible at stuff, I bet an 18-point NFL teaser four-team, 18-point teaser. I might have told this story before, but it's Buffalo Bills, Oakland Raiders. And I needed the Bills to cover some, like a stupid number where it's like people would laugh at what I took. Like I, I teased them to like plus, I don't know, 24, something like that, right? Dumb, like really, really dumb shit that I'd never do now. But I'll never forget. And I've hated this guy my whole life, running back for the Oakland Raiders, Zach Crockett, Came into the game in garbage time, 
and the Raiders could have just been kneeling on the ball, but they wanted to get Crockett to like a certain amount of yardage. And he was like, he was ripping off these runs and he was getting like super excited about it. And he was just, they basically just kept feeding him the ball for no reason. And they, he ran in a meaningless touchdown, like absolutely no reason. And that was the absolute worst loss of my life because it was already down bad. And I was thought I was playing like this great teaser to get all my money back. Classic, horrible. For sure. Yeah, you know. And then just like, all right, you know, they pick up a first down and me and my buddy are high-fiving. We're like, game over. They can kneel it out. And Zach Crockett's coming back into the huddle and he had like longer hair out of his helmet. It's shaking. He's like fired up. They Like they want to feed him the ball. But that's what I'm saying. That can't be the worst loss because because that is just a regular game state. It's always possible for them to score. Oh, of course, but like, but it it shouldn't actually be possible. It shouldn't be, but like, like it's it, still it the should, game. It's still the there's game. There's like, no still, sense in them running plays. Like I I mentioned when like Steph Curry shot the half court shot, like that that is was not, in Toronto All Star. It game. was yes yes. It, that one was like holy shit! Like how the hell did that just happen? But at the same time, you're like it was possible to happen. He could have shot. It's possible. There have been ones that are literally like not, basically not possible. Yeah, I've, I've had a pitcher under seven and a half Ks at 95 pitches come out for an inning at 95 pitches and get a four strikeout inning. Three strikeouts and a strikeout wild pitch throw to first and lose an under seven and a half Ks. Yeah. That's not possible. Like that, it's barely possible to think that that could happen. I'm saying once you get losses like that, I'm never going to complain about like, Oh, are you kidding me? There was like a 20-point last 60 seconds, and I lost an under in NBA. Like, I'm never going to complain about that because that's still possible as per the game. Where do we stand on uh, the replacement ref game, Seahawks and Packers? Because I lost that one. See, that's huh? a, But that was a physical game but, on the line. But, but literally... He picked it off. I know. And they reviewed it. But, dude... It was, had... it, it, there, there's not a person in the world... Like, even if you're a fan of that team... There's not a person in the world that could have saw that any differently than that replacement ref who just decided like, nah, fuck it. We're, we're going with this dude, call. The amount of like player props you might lose because they, they gave like just an extra yard and a half spot. And you're uh, like, no, that was it. And like you look at it, he was not a yard and a half forward, but it's like, that's the spot. Do you bet NHL shot on goal props? I don't too much, but don't. I know there's been some crazy stuff with their shots on goal. I just don't count them. It depends right? on the rink. At this point, there's actually an edge depending on who the home scorekeeper is. Yeah, if you know it. There, yeah, there, it are, there are certain teams. All right, here, breaking news. Give, Rob Pozzola giving away some of his edge. I won't give you the exact teams, but there's certain rinks in the NHL where they count shots on goal differently than others. You got to figure it out. Some, some arenas, if you dump it in from center ice and it hits the goalie's pads or he stops with his stick and puts it in the corner, counts as a shot on goal. In other arenas, it doesn't. And it's not consistent. It's Big not difference. like an NHL, like. It, but but staff, you guys, you know but you guys I mean? are literally saying like I'm not even numb to the fact of like if I have a guy, I've had players. Un, like let's say like Donovan Mitchell under three and a half turnovers. Yeah, and he's at three turnovers, and then they get a double dribble out, and at the end of the game he dribbles it out, and it's a turnover shot clock violation. He gets a turnover there. Like that happens. It's gonna happen in the game sometimes. Like it's funny. But once you get like those types of losses, like I'm not even numb to that one because I've had so many bad ones where it's like, I told you, my worst one was Ken Kenyon Drake because they literally, the ref said, 
this play will be disregarded. <laughs> it was a penalty. The game, it doesn't make sense. They ended the game anyways. He's never been done before. And, he, and, he, and they gave him the yards. Like once you, get, once you get that, I can never complain about an actual points being scored in a game. If points were scored, it's not that bad a beat. I agree. I mean, it's also the style of betting in the sense that like point spreads make things more painful. Of course, because like if you win the game, there's nothing you can really even that Seattle one. Okay, fine, it was it, a bad call, but like you, the NFL team lost a game. That's still a big deal. Yes, because point spreads when you're betting a spread and like you're watching another team come in, go into like backdoor the spread, you're not thinking rationally as the better, right? You're like, oh, why are they doing this? Why would they do that? This and that, and it's like, well, like these guys on the field that are playing. The vast majority, I'm convinced that some players are aware of what the spread is and they might like chuck up some shots late in game in, in basketball. But aside from that, I think the majority of these people don't know and they don't care and they're just going on and like they're, they're like they're they're playing because they're playing a sport. Like, okay, the game's over, the NFL game's over, but this quarterback wants to throw a touchdown in garbage time because he's, you know, playing for something. And people can't put themselves in that shoe. And they're like, oh, the game's over. Like, are they risking injury? Like, why are they going to risk injury? It's like, well, it's not. It's the backup quarterback. He's like, they're trying to see what they have in him. Like, people start to think irrationally because of the point spread. The the amount of bad... Yeah, no, I, I agree with you for sure. The amount of uh, bad beats that have came on behalf of the spread, like backdoor covers and stuff like that, are ridiculous. But people don't even realize the amount of stuff that happens that just doesn't gain public appeal because it never actually like impacted the spread or whatnot. There's so many times where just like, what the hell? Like now that I look at games, I'm like, imagine that impacted the spread. I was watching Portland the other night. Um, Dame Lillard, end of the game. They were probably down like maybe 15, 16, something like that. There's 17 seconds left in the game. Other team scores. Dame Lillard gets the inbound. Literally, he's like acting as if he's just going to dribble the ball. He's obviously going to dribble up. They're down 17 points. Like, have some respect. Right. Guy just at half court launches up a three. <laughs> I'm like, from half court with 17 seconds left in the game. It missed. I'm like, holy shit. Like, imagine you had a live spread or something or that like impacted a total. I, I didn't even know what it would, would have impacted. But it's crazy stuff like that. I, I, now I look at it from a fan and I'm like, wow, that actually like impacted the. Oh, yeah. That could have impacted the total or the spread. Anything. And with live betting now, someone could have had, I don't know, Portland plus 17 and a half or plus 15 and a half, and they needed that bucket. A kid did it in March Madness. He took a last second shot to cover the spread, and it was like a 23 and a half. It might might have been the NIT tournament or something. I remember remember exactly what you're talking about because... uh, Someone at Barstool, PFT comments. Did you see the guy who nuts. missed the dunk? Oh, the, guy, the guy went up for that dunk with like a disrespectful dunk and FAU, missed it? Right? Yeah. Imagine that was for the spread. Yeah. You, guys, you guys see when Purdue lost out, right? <laughs> that would have been crazy. Yeah, imagine. You guys see when Purdue lost out, Zach right? Eady. <laughs> Zach Eady. Zach Eady. I can't even get... This is the first time I've watched Purdue play all year. I've never been as close to vomiting in a game as I was there. Anyways, it is what it is. Next week... Very special episode. It's going to air Tuesday instead of our typical Thursday. Why is that? We have a very special guest. His name is Barry Horse. We will be breaking down the MLB season, which starts on Thursday next week. So programming note, if you're expecting a Thursday episode, you're not getting it. You're getting a Tuesday episode next week with Barry Horse. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Once again, if you like our, comment, or if you like our content out here on Circles Off and the Hammer Betting Network, 
smash that like button. Subscribe to the Circles Off channel. Tell people you know about Circles Off. We'll be back next week with episode number 95. Peace out.